I love technology. Well, not as much as you know, used to. But I still, I still love technology. Flying up to heaven above. above. Always and forever. Boom. Always. <laughs> <laughs>
What's, right. what's no flavor? Free ads, is it, no free ads. I'm, I'm very curious. That's true. It, it's true love. It is the original flavor. Okay. Um, no, no less of a, a terrible experience. And if but I not did as not evil have as grape. Not this as is, evil as grape. That's true. No. So this yeah, is no, actually no. outrageous. And you showing us that just incriminated yourself because you should have drank that the moment you saw it. Well, now he has to in front of us. That will happen. Oh so God! That, live on podcast. I will. I will gladly. Mm-hmm. Drink this in front of all of you. If you need proof, I can synthesize gurgling sounds of downing a drink if you need me to. Dan, D- you D- have to drink that, though. Come on, Dan. I'm delete that smile Let's go. I was going to finish my point to Pat. Pat, I would have drank it on the spot if I didn't have to drive home immediately after. So don't drink You're Hashtag so responsible. You're so responsible. Thank, yes, I'm not trying to endanger myself or my fellow drivers on the road. But we're going to talk about technology today. So while I drink the Smirnoff Ice, Tom... You're going to actually lead our conversation, so why don't you tell us about technology while I down the Smirnoff ice? I thought we were going to have a moment of silence for that, but whatever. Will he finish Um, defining what he's talking about, or will Dan finish first? Go. No, I'm going to let him finish. Yeah, I'm kind of enjoying watching this. Feels like we're all back together again. Oh, he tilted tilted the head back. Well done. I'm proud of you. Are we sure this wasn't edited? Because Kip's head seemed to have absorbed the bottle there for a second. He actually had some, so. Speaking of flawless transition into <laughs> the realm of technology. I'll give a little brief intro for you. So Tom is our resident tech guru in our group. He's always kind of on the forefront of new emerging technologies that are exciting him. And we're always seeming to have some sort of conversation surrounding technology, considering we all have to work with it every day. And it's something that's so prevalent in our lives anyway. So we figured for this episode, we can dive into it more and talk about some of the technologies that are affecting our lives in good ways and bad. And who better than Tom to lead that conversation for us? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't consider myself an expert, but just more curious considering like that's what I do for a living. Granted I'm in sales, but I'm not, I'm by no means like an engineer, you know, have to do with any hands-on things with computers. But, you know, I always take a look at every day, you'll wake up, read Wall Street Journal, see what's going on in the world. And, you know, obviously everything is deeply rooted. Technology is deeply rooted in our lives today from, you know, checking our phones to the ads we see on the computer to, you know, logging into the computer, getting uh, either getting booted out or being let in. But I spend my day when I'm not like talking to people about technology, thinking about technology, whether it be like, you know, new platforms to make money off of in the stock market or, uh, you know, how things like blockchain will sort of shape how, how we're going to grow as in not only, a, you know, an American economy, but a world economy. So, you know, everyone seems to perceive technology as like sort of a helper to the human race, but there's also so many drawbacks as well. And like, I know that you guys have all had uh, issues with technology in your lives. I mean, as it changes and like, especially our generation considered, you know, to be, I guess the test dummies for the majority of technologies that are coming out, you know, day to day, you know, we're basically just faced with taking as it comes. And uh, I just want to get like everyone's opinions and, and see, you know, what they think about technology in the, in terms of the betterment of human, like humans versus how it hinders us. You're asking if you think, if we think that robots will kill us one day. Uh, essentially that's my, I mean, that's my end question. Cause okay. if you, I mean, you guys can't see, but my background is sunny and all the rest of the robots for my robot who, uh, 
plan to wipe out the human race, but like, I mean, that's basically it. Not funny there. Either we improve ourselves to the point of some, uh, you know, a new being that's more superior or it goes elsewhere. Well, ju- just to start the, uh, the conversation, has nothing to do with technology. I just want you to know that two minutes later, the Smirnoff off device is already not sitting well with me. So thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you do look visually a little bit uncomfortable. He's a little red in the face. It's just just a, a little, little bit, bit happy, I think. He's gonna go. He's got to mute himself for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think that Tom's Business Insider Tech uh, morning newsletter that he gets via his Hotmail account <laughs> is directing us towards the 5G as the emerging technology, which actually I think is super cool because um, I mean this is something that's gonna change the way that we we do everything, right? We were talking about this earlier, and I think it's an important point that. You know, right now, say you want to download a movie, a pretty simple thing. You go, you sit there in your Wi-Fi for like, you know, five, 10 minutes, whatever it is, or an hour, depending on how big the file is. But currently, you know, that's with current speeds. With this 5G, well, it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be a little bit longer than that. Yeah. Yes. Pat, if we're downloading Pearl Harbor, does that make you feel better? <laughs> that actually is not that long of a movie. Apocalypse Now. <laughs> the extended cut? The director's cut. Like, yeah. yeah. It's so long. That's a long <laughs> I'm sorry to cut you off, Mike. No, no, that's fine. You can always cut me off for Apocalypse Now. I mean, that, that's a pretty pedestrian example here, but once this happens, it'll allow for an integration of all this smart technology that we have to work so seamlessly without any sort of delay. Like we still kind of, I mean, we have all this really cool technology right now that works. You got smart homes, you got ways to connect your speaker in your room to your car to your, you know, to your home security system, to your office, to like, hell, we're doing a, a Zoom call right now. And you can do it but, all like through an app, like too, like, like everything yeah. that we, as you just mentioned. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be the, the delay time. I mean, I know um, to me, another thing too, was I always thought about when we watched football at your house on Hulu, like the delay on the Hulu stream was always, you know, like a minute or two, like nothing crazy. But if you were uh, like sitting there, you know, gambling or something like that, like that's going to definitely change that. I mean, that's really high level because I'm a technological idiot. I barely know how to use a computer. This is a fact. This is, this is true. I, I'm hoping that somebody else will pick up and just like mm-hmm. kind of get into the actual cool stuff that we can get out of this. So the coolest thing that I found about 5G so far when I was doing my research is that it, it removes the idea of latency. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the time that it takes for a connected device to make a request and then get a response. It just happens. So I think that's really cool. And as someone, um, myself and, and Pat are big fans of, of playing Call of Duty, as someone who plays a lot of video games, the, stress the idea that we can, exactly, the idea that we can have the kind of technology and network capabilities that would allow there to never, ever be lag again would be really, really cool. And I think that it's going to be very interesting to see how this rollout goes, uh, you know, now that we're like about two years into it. So... I would be remiss if I didn't ask this question. I don't know. Uh, please don't make fun of me if this is a, a stupid question, but I think it's been been said in the media. I don't know if it's done, if it was done in parody, or or what. But some of the negative effects of five G of this new five G technology, i.e., <laughs> your background. For our yeah. listeners, since this is a visual medium, uh, Pat has a cell tower 5G making someone's head, I believe, light on fire? No, no. So I, I've heard stories about, I mean, I don't know if people, you people have heard about this, but... What do you mean, you people? Uh, you mean, you people? Yeah. What do you mean, you people? Particularly birds and uh, other, I guess, animals that 
would, but could have the potential to congregate near like a 5G cell tower where it could be emitting these light rays, like these radio waves. Or ultimately, yeah. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the other thing that like everyone sort of does need to understand is like these are radio waves. They're just at a certain frequency. At a spectrum, uh, yeah, frequency of the spectrum. Yeah. So there is like some actual science that does back that up, but it's sort of misdirected. Yeah, like, that's what I've heard. Like anti-vaxxers if they actually had science. But no, they don't. Vaccinate your fucking add children. To that, though, we've been, I mean, the major networking companies have been touting the release of 5G. My theory is that that, that research is corroborated by their sort of waiting to release it. I think they're still, the way I see it is they're probably still in trials, like trying to make it not as invasive. Well, with, with this 5G stuff coming out first, we have to just take into consideration that it just started in 2019. So these companies really don't have that much product, let's just call it product, to actually promise a full 5G. So right now you can buy a 5G phone, but it won't, it will pretty much won't be 5G because depending on where you live and like the tower setup, like yeah. it totally depends on where you are. So right now they're just making money off of us by claiming the P 5g and not having all these like fully set up. And they're projecting that they're not going to be completely 5g until 2025. So we're still in yep. the very early stages yeah, of this. Yeah, you're right. I mean, right now, if you have a phone that has 5g, it's not to say that you're right, that there's actually a 5g network behind it, supporting it. It's, basically stating that the phone's it's not capable. going to be over yeah not going to no, overheat and the battery has the capacity yeah. to support i was going to ask from my understanding i saw that you know obviously 5g is something we're still learning about do we know i mean i know to name a couple of companies uh, samsung already has a few devices that they're previewing that are going to have the 5g technology i know apple hasn't really officially announced it yet but there's speculation they're going to have 5g capable iphones come out in december of this year but I don't know if Tom, you know, or if any of you guys know, what is actually the percentage of even just the U.S. or the world now that has access to 5G? From what I've read, if I were to make a guess, I would say you're looking less than two and a half percent. Yeah. So it's really, really, really early. Let's also keep in mind that 6% of people in the United States of America don't have access to broadband. Right. So like 5G is, is, you know, we're, we're like, I, that's another thing too. I'm thinking about like, as we introduce this new system and like as a fucking asshole that bought a 4G phone 10 years ago, when it just came out, this new technology is rolling out. It's taking forever. How long is this going to take to like get to everyone is another question that I like really have. Like does 2025 just them saying, Oh, we'll have most of it done and you won't notice. So, okay. So that's the thing about, it's important you bring up the whole broadband thing. So because of the way 5G is, it's like a, a higher frequency wave, it actually has a lot of problems with like walls and distances. So we're never going to, or at least not right now, we're not going to see it replacing anything like a broadband internet. And that also- Well, so there's, to, th- there's three signals that 5G uses. Yeah, One of them has a problem with 5G, the 5GE and 5GHZ. High band, low band, and mid band is what you're looking at. Yeah. So at the moment, they're pushing out these high band networks just because they work really well immediately. They're very quick. They're very like flashy. Low band stuff is about 20% faster than the 4G. And then anything what's in, they call the mid band is kind of like the, to use the wrong, you know, to use this phrase, the Goldilocks period. So yeah. So yeah. So that's like really what they need to, to use. And I, I think 
too, from what I've seen is like, these are pizza box size things and they need to be put like every fucking where. Yeah, they're called nodes. So that's just, I don't know. To me, that seems like. That, that, that'd be tough to do, I feel like, in, a, in, in an urban base where like the, the. I mean, to me, it sounds like the you're mm-hmm. never going to get it there. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And like that, to um, me, unless, that's a really easy way to. Unless build new buildings are constructed with a, like some sort of infrastructure with that. Integrated. Yeah. yeah. And Mike, to get into what you were uh, mentioning before about how it's having trouble like going through buildings, buildings and stuff. The one of the main differences with 5G is what they're um, doing is called beam forming, and that is a more focused signal. So instead of just projecting, like let's let's say it's a network, instead of just like having a cell tower just allowing you to connect to a network, this these nodes that are replace going to be replacing the cell towers, they send specific signals directly to you, and if anything's in the way, then it's not able to deliver it to your phone. I feel like kind it's almost of, regressing. Yeah. Because, like, remember when you were a kid and you had, like, a flip phone or something like that and you used to have to stand up on shit so that you could get a good signal? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. We're, we're basically going backwards uh, with this shit. But, I mean, obviously, it's the beginning of a new technology and we still have 4G and all that stuff and 4G LTE. Don't be, but, uh, don't be talking shit about my Razor, man. Oh. Razor's coming I, back. I, it is. But another yeah. thing I feel like to, to go to what, what um, was said earlier about uh, kind of what Mike is saying, like, we're regressing. Like, do we think that they just brought this technology out too early in order to make money off it, yeah. uh, you know, for gimmicky sales reasons and shit like that? Or do we really think like this is actually ready to go? That's what I think. I think 100%. they're definitely trying to make a profit right now. Well, if you think of... Yeah, salesmen suck, right, Tom? If you, if, you, if you think of a computer program, right, and there's the initial operating system... It's going to have bugs, and then you go up to the next system after you figure out the bugs in the first one, and then the first one is sort of recommended release, and then you move to the second one. If you take that idea and sort of move it to uh, the idea and apply it to the, you know, something like 5G, they're piloting certain areas across the U.S. and across the world to pretty much be able to see if we're able to scale it accurately or not accurately, but if we can scale it in, a pro- in an appropriate manner. And mind you, like all of these networking companies and telecommun- telecommunications companies are not sharing data with each other. They're not sharing their information. Everything's proprietary. So you're basically having, I would say, probably two, like 100 to 200 different telecom companies across the world piloting their own definition of a 5G network that's not completely cohesive and acting as a fabric as it really should be. So when everybody's, you know, once we have the ability to figure out a mind share between 5G, I think that that's really when it will come into play. I think, you know, right now, then they need to figure that out. Do you, do you but, see some sort of like a protocol issue? Like if you have independent companies with their own way of doing things? Well, I uh, think just, uh, I think- Like it's, a communication issue almost? But, I don't know. Well, it's part of it's. I mean, first it's greed, right? I mean, you have to get that out of the way, and then sort of singularity will will completely solve that issue where technologies like blockchain will help companies to buy and sell data, the rights to that data, etc., like on an open marketplace instantaneously. And once they're able to share this and pretty much open themselves up to the true 
you know, working as one and benefiting off of each other. That's, I think that's where true 5G will be able to be rolled out effectively. So I'm looking right here and there is just an absolutely crazy discrepancy between the speeds across the 5G per this, the major carriers. Yeah. So I'm looking at AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile, and Verizon. So you have AT&T with average speeds of 760 megabits per second, uh, Sprint at 194, T-Mobile with a high and a low band at 300 and 145 respectively, and then Verizon at 875. So I think it a lot depends on what they're using technologically. I know that T-Mobile is kind of going for like a – abroad uh whereas you have you know verizon at&t maybe more pinpointed in some you know in some cities like i'm looking around basically verizon it's like i'm gonna have my main thing going on in like the big ones you have like la boston uh washington and then you have like some other small stuff like des moines which doesn't make any sense so it, right now it still seems as we were saying before very gimmicky sort of like the whole like ak bullshit that's been going on in the tv industry where it's like, oh, okay, cool, we have it, but nothing's actually usable. With there, if there's all these people at the end of the day to, to really simplify the living shit out of this, I don't want to buy a piece of 5G equipment that speaks German when 9 out of 10 things around me speak Chinese. Mm-hmm. I want everything to be able to talk to everything. And I also said, I think that when you say we need to let the market work this out, I don't think that's how it's going to work. I don't think markets effectively work out things that are essentially public utilities. I mean, if you look at, if the market was going to work internet access out, then 49% of the world is getting screwed because they don't have internet access. They only are going to do it if it makes them money. It's not exactly, but it is going to make the money. It won't, it'll seem like it's a public utility, but it actually won't be. It'll be a pretty much a conglomeration of data and information share between the top, telecom companies i yeah yeah and i'm like my i don't know I, i've done some research about like places that have like made broadband internet public and made it a public utility itself and magically overnight the internet speeds are tripled and the next day verizon cuts their prices by 65 percent triples their speeds too i i don't know i think at the end of the day you can't let the companies run away with this and use all their data as they want because it, it won't end the right way for the consumer well, so you guys remember, like, what was it, like a year ago, right, with the whole net neutrality thing, or was it less? I don't even know. I think it was right after what, uh, after Trump was elected. Like, the sure it was I think it was 2017, yeah. Yeah, it was Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of what it is, right? You need, like, a net neutrality on the, the speeds across the board. But then again, you're also then forcing all of the companies to operate on the same technology. And as you can see, there's a huge discrepancy in what they're working with. Mike, yeah. I just want to assume that those numbers that you gave us before – I, I just want to assume that you're, you have to be standing next to the, the node in order to get those speeds. So those yeah, are if they're, average. Yeah, it's average test based on, I guess. I'm sure they're going to be favorable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're going to figure out a way to make it look good. I just get worried about tech, new technologies like this because, you know, granted, there are a billion different companies that are doing it. But at the end of the day, when it really comes down to it, there are maybe five companies on earth that are going to end up actually doing it well. And those companies don't really give a shit about the people that are using their products as long as they're paying for it. And right now, having a cell phone is so goddamn expensive and paying for Wi-Fi is so goddamn expensive. Yeah. Is this going to make it like infinitesimally more expensive than 
it already is because only because from a marketing standpoint, this is the latest and greatest, the best, the fastest, the whole, you know, the whole fucking bullshit spiel they, mm -hmm. they get you in with. And it's going to be just as shitty and defective as before. And instead of paying $135 a month for our package, I'll be paying $250. Yeah. I mean, no doubt. It's going to be more expensive. And you think about it, they're going to pass the expense of putting a ser you know, server or router every couple thousand feet onto the consumer. Every company passes every expense onto the consumer. There is the yeah. notion that they don't do that is yeah. BS. So in I guess, Kyle, your point, are, do you think uh, from like a, a public 5G perspective, as what you alluded to, do you think that's something that's done on like the community and local level? Do you think that's or more on a bigger scale? So, so the way that it's been done in the U.S. Um, is actually very, very interesting. And another thing to just preface this with, the telecom companies spend so much on lobbying, and this is an actual quote from the people at Comcast, we could not possibly quantify the amount of money we spend. It's somewhere in the range of three to $4 billion a year. So the issue with pu this public, so this was, I believe it was Knoxville, Tennessee that did this. I, I could be wrong, but I believe it was Knoxville. Verizon was basically barely servicing people in and around the city because it wasn't profitable for them. And they were one of the only telecom people in the area. Of course. People were using dial-up internet in like 2014 in a city. And Knoxville was like, this is bullshit. Mm -hmm. So they went and made their own municipal broadband. It's significantly cheaper. It's significantly faster. Like I said, Verizon literally slashed their prices and made it faster overnight because they now had competition. And then Verizon, so this is it's usually done on a local level. But then Verizon filed a lawsuit against the city and said that it was not legal for them to do that. I believe it was under the grounds of the something to do with the monopolies. I would have to look at the look up the lawsuit. And Verizon won the lawsuit. So Tennessee, the city in Tennessee could not expand. And I do believe they could not service or update their network either. So the second, if, if this was to happen and it was to do any public good, it would need to come from the absolute top. It would need to come from Congress and the Senate to sort of help legislate it equally because at the end of the day, it can be legislated differently in every state. Who are getting paid out by these telecom companies. Exactly. So are it's never going to happen and we're all fucked. Are you sure you didn't just watch the last season of Parks and Rec and that's where you're getting a lot of that information from? Yeah, I agree, Kyle. We know that it's like a really good technology. It could help so many people and make so many things better, but it's just going to be a fucking money grab. And before we know it, there's going to be 6G and 7G and 8G and they keep giving us fucking Gs until they feel like one, they one have enough money. Though. As long as money's the incentive though, it's going to be done well and it's going to be done properly, I would say. I don't know. I think that kind of like transitions nicely though to like, you know, from Tommy's morning brew tech article that he got uh, to we were kind of wanted to talk a little bit about how tech is sort of having an adverse effect on our lives, whether that be in cookies or just like weird experiences. I know everybody always jokes like, oh, it's the FBI agent in my phone, but there is a lot of data mining and things that are going on just on the devices that you have. I mean, I'm sure just from this conversation alone, I'm going to receive targeted ads on my work computer. That's not even in the same zip code when I get back in two months. Yeah. I actually kind of want to jump off that. Obviously, like you said, Mike, there's a lot of technologies that are becoming more and more invasive in our lives. And in my doing research preparing for this episode, one thing that really jumped out at me that I had kind of, put in the back of my mind and kind of forgotten about is actually biometrics. And what I mean by biometrics is things like face scanning, things like fingerprinting, retina scans, stuff like that. And 
the reports at the beginning of the year were that a lot of companies, I know I personally worked for, or in a WeWork, for example, and WeWork was looking at the possibility of having biometric technology be at each of the entrances of the building when you walk in. So instead of having an ID card when you walk in, you would actually just have your face be scanned. So similar to how your you know, face scans on the iPhone, they would scan your face for security purposes. So that's something that I feel like is extremely invasive that your face is now in multiple databases as opposed to just your phone. I know, I know to get into uh, Hudson Yards, the office spaces there, you have to wave your hand over a device that scans your fingerprints. I'm very interested to see like how quick it could, just by raising your hand over it, how quickly it picks it up. But I also just got a laptop that scans my face to sign in to cut down on the potential of hacking and passwords that I think is pretty, pretty cool. I don't know. I, I kind of think that it is cool. It's helpful for security purposes. And like, obviously it's good to have for your phone security, but obviously for office security as well, it makes sense. But do you guys think that it's crossing a line where we should be able to have stuff like that, not be in the hands of our companies and hundred percent. If you think about it, you're already kind of giving some information away, like with the face scanning and stuff, because you have a driver's license and you have a photo on your driver's license. The government knows what you look like. So it's kind of giving your privacy away, but it's something that they already have, you know? So I want to kind of counteract your point a little bit, Carl. Uh, you choose to have said driver's license. Like, I mean, obviously you need a driver's license. You've got, you can't really do a lot of things without it but you choose to give yourself a government issued identification card. Whereas technolo technology is passively recording you at all points. That's kind of what I think that the biggest issue is here. And we, we obviously yeah. we consent to it. Like it makes my life a lot easier to look at my phone or thumbprint scan something to download an app or even just to, you know, open up my phone, check a text message. But it's, I think the issue is when, you know, you're sitting and it's listening to you or it's listening to your conversation. All of a sudden you're receiving targeted ads where does that go? It kind of goes into the big brother aspect of it. Like, when is that going to, you know, I don't know, some giant bill that goes through Congress to give the farmers more cow manure might have a little line in it that will, uh, that might remove protection from your devices and allow mm -hmm. the government to then use it then. All they just that did that. They did that last week. The FBI can now access your phone without a warrant or without your consent. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it flies yeah, under the radar. They, also, shit like they this. told you that the NSA has been doing that for a Years. decade at least. Yeah. yeah listen, Years. if you need to look through my porn history to make sure I'm not going to blow something up, that I'm fine with. You guys, that's what I was going to bring up. Like, you have Big Brother, the concept of like Michael's getting a Big Brother, but you're thinking about, you know, the, you're thinking about private sector Big Brother versus public sector Big Brother. Which one is more invasive? Like, which one are you more scared of? I think is a exactly. question. That's, that's the real question. Private sector is always sector about it's just about money, but about no morals, about control. Well, I mean, exactly. The government's about control. The the private sector is about figuring out your personality to build a profile to hit your make a profit at all costs. Exactly. Well, she brings up an interesting kind of next step in that whole biometrics argument. Like, obviously, you have the face scanning, you have the fingerprinting, but now they're even testing biometric technology that will be able to actually sense your mood. So, to Mike's point about like the jokes about the Parks and Rec episode where like you have Grizzle and your phone kind of sets everything, that's becoming reality. Like, you will be yeah. able to have technology, you look at your phone, 
your phone can sense that you are, you know, in a good mood or a bad mood. And then from there, it'll be able to actually target ads to you depending upon how you're feeling, how your, your day is going. That is just like, that's scary to me. Like, I don't yeah. need to be able to have like having a bad day. And then all of a sudden I look at my phone and I'm like, have a sad face. And then I'm like, oh. <laughs> Daniel Powder starts flying. You didn't, <laughs> you didn't just do that. You didn't do that. <laughs> the next well, thing you're thinking is fuck you, Zuck. Right. All. I mean, my point is that at some point that there has to just be a line where it's like, all right, yes, like technology is, is important to our lives. We want to have it be part of like our day-to-day to some capacity, but when it's in that invasive where it's literally figuring out what your mood is and then targeting ads and everything from there on, I feel like that's just way over the top and crosses so many lines. Just to add to that, um, I'm, I'm okay with getting like my face scanned and my fingerprint scanned, but like when it comes to the point where they're trying to listen in and judge my mood, like that's, that's where I would draw the line. Well, that's what I'm saying. Let, let's say, Carl, you get up in the morning and you're having just a, like a really, a really bad day. And then all of a sudden it says, like, if you get a notification on your phone, it's like, oh, Carl, we sense that you're in a bad mood. Here's like $3 off a of coffee to lift your spirits. Like, obviously, like, it's, it's, I guess, in a sense, well-intentioned, but it's just, there's something so messed up about that. Well, so what I was going to say, the, the funny thing about looking at your face and understanding your mood, that's actually something we've been able to do scientifically for a long time now. There's a whole, I'm not really sure where something, it falls Something under, a camera it, can do, is it, or is it just something that psychological? No, 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 no. Well, a person a, can do person this. A person, a person can do this, provided that they can see your whole face clearly. They can watch anything back on a video, and they can identify every movement that muscles make in your face. And that is a subconscious way of your body conveying emotion. So this has so been something that we've been able to do. And well, it's you just need a video screen, but a person can do that and sit with a pen and a paper and do this. But now we've built AIs that do this, and if we could do this in an analog way, you know, the AI isn't going to get it wrong. Yeah, and like that's where it's like it's not going to be wrong. That's the scary part. And like you said, you're going to be in a bad mood, and it's going to tell you you're in a bad mood, well, and then you're going to be like, oh fuck. Exactly, it but, plays into human sentiment. It's basic. You're being conditioned. It's like basically. When you assume, when they figure out, you know, like you said, Carl, oh, you're in a bad mood. Here's three dollars off to pick you up, and you you get used to that when you're feeling upset, and then you start to associate your, you know, your thoughts with that brand because you're used to it, or you've experienced a memory when you were upset, and and they hooked you up with a two dollar coffee when it should have been five. Whatever. It's like, it's like Pavlov, Pavlov's dog. Is that well, it's exactly dog. what it is. It's like exactly. it is. What is it? Yeah. Opera ding, ding, ding. Oh, coffee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, to, to Kyle's point, I feel like it, I, I mean, I would be more comfortable like if someone was sitting across from me and they like saw the expression on my face and like, oh, I could tell you're in a bad mood that it's post my phone. Just like quickly scanning my face and say, oh, I can sense you're having a bad day. Like, I feel like that's yeah. just, it's, it seems like so over the top to me, but sorry, Mike, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, that's fine. Like, that's actually um, a thing, though, now. I know that there's a lot of services. I think you can text uh, or uh, video chat with, like, mental health professionals. Like, that's becoming a more and more of a thing. So, eventually, they're going to find a way to monetize this and not have to pay a mental health professional. And you're just going to be able to do it off of an AI who's going to tell you everything you want to hear. But I, mean, I think it's funny that you, you guys... go to an AI for therapy? I don't even know if you're going to know. You might not even know. No, you'll definitely know. The medical regulations in this country are far too strict for you to not know who your doctor is. Yeah. It's not a doctor. I'm saying it like not for prescriptions, but if it's like these services that are like, hey, you're having a bad day, 
text me mm-hmm. and we'll help you out. Like, I think, it might I think not require care about the same the, level of... I still wouldn't talk people to People care about the human-to-human interaction. That's the whole point listen, of their... Yeah. Yeah. Someone else with feelings and emotions who can understand things can appeal to someone else who also is going through those things, even if they're yeah. not... Yeah. So you guys should all watch this documentary on YouTube. It's called The Corporation. It's like two... And a, I think it's two and a half hours long, but basically explains how... I think it was the 1960s, there was a large lawsuit that determined that corporations are actually recognized as human beings uh, in the eyes of the law. So I think that, you know, corporations containing AI will basically go through a second phase of litigation and uh, general AIs will be granted pretty much human status under the label of corporations and then the AI will be doctors. So that was a Supreme Court case, and that was Santa Clara v. Southern Pacific Railroad. And that was uh, giving them individual rights under the 14th Amendment of the Constitution. People can become corporations, so why couldn't a corporation become a person? Is that what the basis of that was? That is the basis of the argument, but it is like ultimately it's been a very detrimental for society argument. <laughs> With regards to what? Yeah, but what, I mean, if what, you wanna... what, what rights um, are, are given to a corporation that are akin to humans? Uh, they have the right to spend money in political elections. They may profit on religious grounds and refuse to comply with federal mandates such as taxes. A corporation is defined as a number of persons united in one body for a purpose. So the Catholic Church is basically a, a corporation. But it's a religious entity. It's, it's, it's a religious it's, entity. So it can operate as a good, but that is like helping it operate as a person. And this like further protects that idea. The Catholic Church, at least on paper, is not supposed to be profit driven though. That's the whole, that's why it's tax-free. Mm-hmm. Like Martin yeah, Luther would have had a problem with that. Are, are, are political non politically driven nonprofits on paper <laughs> the same thing? I mean, are they yeah. meant to generate a, a profit? Yeah, come on. Well, it's under the whole, you know, freedom of religion thing. It's complete dissociation of church and state. You know, that goes- It doesn't forward. exist, don't fool yourself. It's not in the constitution, no, but it's-, it's it, was a major tenant of Thomas Jefferson's. He wrote it in a lot of his letters, but it, it's all a branch. It branches off from the, uh, the First Amendment and freedom of religion. Well, if I could kind of steer the conversation back towards like AI in general, I think one of the most, I mean, for me personally, I think one of the most invasive technologies that I've seen is the AI with Alexa or Siri, for example. Oh, uh, yes. You know, regardless whether you have it activated or not, it's, yeah, I, I think it's a viable factor always listening. Have you heard um, Alexa laughing in the middle of the night? Have you heard that? Mine giggled. I threw her across the room. Yeah. I actually did not buy an Alexa and I have Siri turned off because I don't trust it. I don't think it's your privacy is just gone. Like it's all so gone. Ev- everything that you say is recorded and it's you know stored in the cloud or wherever they store shit and then they can sell your data. Like it's just it's all so fucked up and it's so invasive and I just, I hate it. I, Tom, I know you, yeah. you feel the same way. Like it's, it's something I mean, we just shouldn't have at all. Like it, it's, it's cool. Like you could tell like, oh, Alexa, so like play the song, but like, I don't so know. So not a fan. Like yeah. one of my coworkers, and I'm not, I don't want to get into specifics, but one of, there was this technology conglomerate that everybody knows of that was giving away free, free smart speakers as a promotion. And my coworker looked over my shoulder and was like, dude, grab that he was like get that like they're offering that i was like no you take it so they think that i'm you and they and they don't have accurate data on me it's just so invasive because 
I mean, what are the other motivations to give somebody a free smart speaker other than listening in and building a profile on them? Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm suspicious of that as well. Like I know you don't want to make less money. <laughs> exactly. At the end of the day, you're going to yeah, sell that data. If you can't make money off of me yourself with that raw data. Yeah, well, but I mean, your phone's still doing that shit too, anyway. That's true. Your phone's doing that, whether or not Siri's on. Yeah, yeah. It it goes back to the whole not even theory though the fact that you sign these terms and conditions of any technology you sign up for, any like software you download, and you never read it obviously because it's so long. But you're basically signing away all your privacy, all your data right there, and no one even knows it. No, I mean, I I think the other thing too that is sort of interesting in this scenario. Now that we talk about all these you know, major conglomerates that, that um, have all this stuff to listening to me, I'm not a fan of it. I know that it's mining my data, but I do use my, my Apple Assistant. I don't want to say it because it'll turn on if I do. What it comes down to for me, it's like, I mean, corporations are people, right? Like we just said under the law. Yeah. Who do you trust? I <laughs> trust Apple way more than I trust Amazon. I trust Google way more than I trust Amazon, but I trust all of them very little. Like, well, say, I what, don't know. what is that determination based on? Like, have, have you had, is it just because you like one better than the other? Like, what Because is- the FBI came to Apple and was like, unlock the phone and the FBI said, and Apple said, yes. no. Yeah, San Bernardino shooting. I remember, I was just gonna mention that. Yeah, I mean, to me, like at the end of the day, was it the right thing to do to unlock the phone? Ultimately, yes, for the reasons of national security. I agree, you should do that, but, you are, the FBI basically asked Apple for a backdoor into hundreds of millions of devices, and Apple said, no, fuck off. Apple said, yeah, that. It's a, I would guarantee you if that had been Amazon, Bezos would have handed over the keys to the kingdom, and Google's Android operating system is apparently so easy to hack and fucking remake by yourself that it doesn't even matter. Yeah, well, it's a slippery slope. Everything in this country works off of some sort of precedent, and you can't allow that. But it, it's bound to happen. I mean, at some point in time, these terms and conditions, like Dan was saying, are, are going to start including things on page like 870 of the terms and conditions that say that we're data mining you or we're going to be using you or we're going to sell your data to somebody else. I mean, and they're actually kind of funny. Like over the years, people have found funny shit. In, like that South Park episode? Them. Yeah. <laughs> the you can't Cuban use – you can't – oh, yeah. You can't use Apple's phones uh, – to build weapons of mass destruction. That's in the terms and conditions. This is the best one. On page 46 of the iOS 7 uh, terms and conditions, they say, we faked the moon landing, did it in 2008, then brainwashed you all to believe that it happened in 1969 just because we could. If anyone ever finds out we leaked this information, I'll be killed. But no one will ever, ever (laughs) read this. (laughs) Just so you all know, lawyers get bored too. No, but there's an entire page. Like, it's like, Oh, you know what? It's page 46. Nobody's still reading this. I bet only about five people click to read the terms and conditions in the first place. We might as well uh, just say anything we like. Tony on floor five of Apple HQ smells of sardines. And they like just go <laughs> through like an entire thing. Well, that's the thing. Like when I see this in something, it, it gives me the sense that Apple like is a company that A, has a sense of humor and B, is clearly far more trustable if they're acknowledging that clearly none of you are fucking reading this. Like, I don't know, I, I, everybody, I would like to hear everybody else's opinion on, on, you know, companies and who we think we can trust. And do you agree with me about Apple or, or do you know, do you think I'm a, a batshit crazy lunatic, even though, I mean, I we all know that I am. I think I'm going to start control effing a lot of Apple terms and conditions now and see what, see what I can find. Apple 
like you said, it's probably better. The San Bernardino thing, again, terrible situation, but sometimes you have to make those tough decisions in order not to set the precedent. What worries me is I think that Steve Jobs was definitely more of like, uh, it's, you know, it's he your technology. That, no, but I'm saying, but like now with the new guard, I don't think Tim, I think eventually a guy like a Tim Cook or a predecessor to a Tim Cook will start to kind of, I don't know, become more invasive and maybe turn that over to somebody else. Bezos, yeah, Bezos. I don't think is, Tim Cook. Be, I mean, I'm saying. I think Tim, like, Tim Cook was directly involved in saying no to the FBI. Yeah, he was. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, he has, yeah I think Tim Cook is, is a very good person, and I think he lives in the shell of Steve Jobs at Apple. Not, I mean, obviously, he's not Steve Jobs, but along the model, I guess, as I would say, about how to do business. Yeah, I would agree. He did multiple 60 Minutes interviews being like, obviously, we, obviously, this is a terrible thing. Obviously, this needs to be fixed. But no, we're not giving you the key to our I, phone. To get down to at the raw of it, I mean, mooching off of consumers is, is, is acting as a parasite. It's not innovating. I mean, yeah. mass amounts of data will help you out, but only, you know. So much, yeah. Yeah. You still need to make the new next thing. Exactly. And it still needs to be beautiful and it needs to sell to people, and it needs to be usable. I think the core of the problem, though, is that, think back to, you know, we already alluded to Parks and Rec a couple of times, but like someone, for example, like Ron Swanson, he feared this exact thing. He didn't want his data to be used against him and, you know, without his consent. So he was the type of person who went completely off the grid. But the problem is that we as a society have become so reliant on these technologies that now it's almost impossible to want to remove yourself from it. So you basically either have the choice to not have a phone like this and you know not be connected at all or sign up for the phone but then obviously sign over your rights in that sense your your privacy if you will so i, I think that's really the, the problem at its core is that you have to be so reliant on these things so you either have it that way or the highway yeah if i can make a recommendation to everybody listening to everybody on this call one of the best things you can do, especially now, and maybe even after all of this, because we have spent the last two months of our lives glued to some form of technology or not, but find a place and like take a break from the technology. I know like, I mean, Tom, your place up in uh, the Adirondacks, like, that was a place where there was absolutely no accessible technology. The phones didn't work. Right. It's no driving reception. town. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I go on my, when I went out to my trip for a week in the Northern Adirondacks, one of the, the best parts, and it's kind of a definitely a, cha- a life-changing experience. We're glued to our phones. That little report we get from Apple every week, especially over the last nine to Yeah, it's, been, weeks, going, it's been, been going up over the last two months. It's, yeah. it's insane. Oh, mine hasn't been going up. It should scare you. That means you're using your phone probably too much already as it is, Kyle. Well, we weren't sure of that. I could have <laughs> told you, guys you immediately. Have jobs, why are you on your phone so much? Well, I mean, our phones also are no for our jobs. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, you guys are going to get that from by the foot. What do you mean? <laughs> Hell, call back to a previous episode, Tom. <laughs> yes. Do you have anything like a, a you know, Alexa or like a, any sort of smart speaker in the house that you use or anything like that? Um, so I, I was gifted, like when they first came out, I was gifted a Alexa and I noticed more ads and more, um, like directed commercials and stuff. So I unplugged it. I don't use it anymore. I think like what what you were talking about before about how like you would either have to continue to advance with technology or like live how uh, Ron Swanson and Parks and Rec does. Is there an option for like a happy medium? Like, in, like for example, like let's say in the future, every home is a smart home and has all these features like 
you could just talk, open up your mouth and say something and the house does it. Like that's something I probably won't see myself doing, but I do use technology. I use a computer, my phone, my iPad, stuff like that. So I think I'm more like central in that, in that, uh, spectrum. That's fair. I mean, I mean, I, I guess at the end of the day, we're never going to have the ability to have any more privacy, I guess it's, it's, it's a bad way to phrase it, but just because of, of the nature of the market and the nature of like capitalism and corporations and what they're doing, like the number one tenant of a corporation is to make a profit for the shareholders. Yep. That is it. And that is not, what they will that do that's, not that that's at all costs. Not a bad thing inherently. It is not inherently bad, but it does lead to a lot of inherent awful things. Enron, lobbyists, uh, what do I not like? A lot of things. Um, I don't know. But like, I just, I think that our ability to have privacy at this point in the world, the second you come out of the womb, it's over. Yeah, done. Dude, I know that's crazy. Like, I know my nieces, when they were born, the first pictures that I saw of them were not like a photograph. They were Snapchats with Snapchat filters. Like the first picture that I ever saw of my niece was her with the dog ears and the tongue. This child was maybe, I don't know, five or six hours old at that point in time. And now that's just like, there's a recorded, like Snapchat saves everything. So like now, I mean, from the minute she was born, she has been, she's on the grid. Now that she wasn't probably already from being in a hospital with all the technolo- like technological and medical things, but now like there is just no going back. Mm-hmm. By the time she was about a year old, she already knew how to swipe it over to find the camera on your phone. Like That's just something that we're going to have to deal with. It's definitely going to be interesting to see with our kids because it's going to be a real choice of like us as parents, how we're going to choose to raise our children, whether you're going to want them to be engrossed in technology. Remember when I was a kid, like my mom was like, all right, you play, you know, video games for like two hours and you got to go outside and play with your friends. Like, you know what I mean? Like, even if you guys were playing video games together, you still have to go outside and do things. But now that's not so much of an option where, you know, kids are going to go to school on the computer. I mean, fucking Cuomo wants everybody to go to do computer school for the rest of their lives. Like these are all things that we're going to have to deal with. Yeah. To, to that point, I was going to say, uh, video games when, when we were kids were, were different than, you know, the app, like applications on phones, like apps on phones are kind of the majority of, of how that's done now. You know, it wasn't on like your Nintendo DS or Nintendo SP where you could, I don't know, you could get you had like those chat rooms. You guys remember those? Um, yeah. No? Basic. Pretty so basic. You, you, didn't have, you didn't have games on your phone. Everything that's where Pat got his first girlfriend named Larry. That still frequents AOL chat rooms. No, those wow. things don't exist. Got an AIM account. How would you know that, Pat? Rip. I, did, I actually still my first and actual still active email address is from AIM. I don't know for the rest of you guys what your experience was when we were like super young, but in my house it was kind of the rule that you didn't get a cell phone until you were like far enough away from home that you would need it. So like for me, I think it was freshman year of high school that I, I or like eighth grade or freshman year of high school that I finally got a phone. But it's going to be really interesting to see, like Mike said, when we're having our own kids and stuff, whether or not having a phone you know for kids below that age like i think eight, eighth grade is like 12 or 13 years old if having a phone below that age is going to be something that's totally necessary just so ingrained in their everyone's life everyone's doing point. it like i was the same way dan so i think eighth grade was when i got my first phone to myself and i, I don't know if it was a razor or if it was I think razor. 
Razor yeah, guy. Razor. But yeah, no, even even now, so not, not even just our the generation after us, like our kids, but like my parents, like I, I have siblings who are significantly younger than I am. Like they had phones way before like I would have a phone. That was just because I don't know of the, of, the, of the times. It was an eight year difference. So they they had iPhones at like a very early age, like third fourth grade. Yeah, I mean the times have changed, but like again, it's it's again the same thing with like the line. Where, 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 do you, where does the right? Where does the line cross though? Like it used to just be like you had it in the case of emergencies. Now it's such a necessity that it's like you know my six year old has to have it to stay quiet when we go out to a restaurant. Like it's 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 insane. Yeah, so I was gonna say I was kind of on the other end of that spectrum when we were kids because um, my mom worked in Manhattan full time and my dad was traveling probably thirty to forty weeks a year. So he was I mean just traveling for business. So I day one of fifth grade and it was one of, it was one of those indestructible Ooh. nokia flip phones and i had a selfie camera it was so cool oh boy but i was such a loser so it doesn't matter um <clears throat> i think it's going to be something similar for our generation i mean at the end of the day everything's going to be very controlled and, and technology you know based in technology but to me i would hold on as long as i could without giving the kid a phone until they absolutely you say that it. until your kid comes home one day and goes, why can't I have a phone? And like, because I said so, but, but Stu over here, he has a, he has a phone. Like, well, you're not, then you have to explain to him. If you use a stupid bridge art, I'm going to come up there and punch you in the face. Tell him to start paying the bills and then you could get a cell phone or she. I'll just be, why? No, why can't I have it? Because I said, because I said you can't. That's all that I need to say. That'll probably be child abuse by the time we have children. Like, they'll be yeah. able to report you. For yeah, those, yeah. Are some, those, are some, those are some trumped-up charges. Like, like, there'll be an app on their fucking uh, iPad or whatever they have. By report, report, like, my, report my dad. <laughs> you denied your child of becoming an eligible consumer in the digital age? How dare you? I know, right? Because all, all they want is you to consume and then fucking die. Yeah. Consume, yeah, so reproduce, the, die. That's the one, all they want. The one point I will say about that is, obviously, I hear... I hear everything you're saying about privacy and um, how obviously the number one goal of, of these for these corporations is profit driven, but th those profits are also contingent on individual happiness and they're not going to make a profit unless we as the collective say that they should make a profit. Not true. Pe yeah, not true at all. People are very dumb too. I, that, that's what I'm saying though. I, something is inherently bad for a person. Like obviously, maybe I'm not saying this correctly, but things that are inherently guys, bad guys, have we, don't have we present like that for the first time in a while <laughs> that's, yeah, that's an pat? achievement what did you say i said have we dumbfounded pat <laughs> hear ye hear ye on the 21st of may year 2020 of our year <laughs> we have stumped patrick let it be known across the land light the beacon i, I did want to hear what you had to say though because i don't I, I understand, yes, people are very dumb. They're going to do what's easiest for them at every given second. But yeah. Also, we're getting to the point of, you know, how in previous like industrial revolutions, there's been antitrusts and muckrakers. And we're getting to the point to. Someone's been reading The Jungle. Yeah, I was just going to say that. <laughs> but he's right, though. Antitrust laws right. basically don't exist anymore. They don't. They don't exist. And I mean,. You know, when the Zuck is sitting on his little booster chair in front of you know the House or or whoever who was he? Who it was he? a House subcommittee. Okay, yeah. I mean, they were paid off to just ask him softball questions, and it's like, all right, this day and age, antitrust 
like Kyle said, I don't, I don't, I really don't think that any company can be convicted of an antitrust just because they have the monetary, you know, wherewithal, or they have the wherewithal and the monetary means to go through and 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 pay people off and manipulate people. Also, the the, the well, the, it's not really the money. It's more so that there was a precedent set in the 60s by one judge, the only, I believe the only judge ever to refuse an appointment to the Supreme Court because he felt that the court was bullshit, then turned around and basically made it such that it's only an antitrust violation if it hurts the consumer in a material way. And I can't explain to you how difficult of a standard that is to to prove in court. Exactly. So, I mean, at the end of the day, let's be, let's be honest with each other. There's a merger that we missed that should absolutely not have gone through. SAB, Miller, AB, and Dev produced yep. 90% of the beer on earth. No, but they and had they to- like, Somehow, no, yeah, they had to sell off like three fucking breweries. One of them yeah, was $400 AB million. Dollars. They're, they're a $100 billion company. They had to sell off Miller, right? And Coors? No, they had to no. Their subsidies? They'd sell off Coors and Peroni. Hey, hey, I'm Italian. That means a lot to me. I was going yeah, okay. to no, insult you, but I was going to say they dropped two shitty beers. <laughs> I did. Um, and now uh, that's you are a banquet beer Singtel. fan, my friend. Uh, I'm sorry. Do you, I like the I like a beer that's as cold as the Rockies. Excuse you. <laughs> no, they didn't sell Coors. They didn't know not Coors Light. They sold Coors in the Rockies. Like Coors and Coors. Coors. Coors and Coors Light are not combined. Yeah, it's like it's well, left be- it's left Twix, right Twix, man. They've been, oh, they, shit. Oh. I don't know. And, and I think that it has a lot to do with, with these tech companies because at the end of the day, if you look at Amazon, I mean, Amazon literally does everything. Yeah. And it's hard to build a, a trust argument against somebody like that. But are they too big? Do they control too much at the end of the day? Not to sound like Elizabeth Warren, but probably absolutely. The answer to that question is yes. They it's do. only going to get worse, Kyle, especially in this yeah. world we're living in now where everything has to be online and everything mm-hmm. has to be delivery and it, there's no retail anymore in general. Like that's just going to become worse and worse of a problem. So. But right now the, the byproduct of that is all, all prices and, and ease of products going down, not up like you would, you would think for some sort of a, a trust. But it doesn't matter because <laughs> back to Amazon, uh, Jeff Bezos at this pace will be a trillionaire in six years. Yeah. I was just going to say. Six years. Okay. I, to, to build his current wealth, if you had made $130,000 an hour since the, no, since the birth of Jesus fucking Christ 2,020 years ago, you would still not have as much money as him. The exponential growth of this wealth is like so mind-bendingly massive. And there's nothing that can be done to break it up because of the idea that it has to directly affect the consumer and all Amazon does is good things for the consumer. Yeah. And he, but he also owns like the most valuable. So like he got in on oil before oil was like, before they started making cards, like data was, is the thing. And Amazon owns. All data is the new oil baby. Yeah, I know. Yes. Everyone, we, we read, read that tech magazine where they have like the oil wells and it just has like Google and Amazon. Uh, cards. that was the on economist. Them. I don't think that was a tech magazine. Uh, it might've been. All right. Sorry, I was in a chiropractor's office. I wasn't really paying attention to what matters. Definitely the economist then. (laughs) (laughs) We definitely, after all this, retail is done. I'm sorry, I'm going to say it here. What what happened today? Victoria's Secret closed 200 stores. Retail's not done. But it's it's on its way out. It's It's got 100 years to go. I think that 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 is a hot decay. And I know that's tough too because I know your mom – is still in the retail fashion industry. So that like something that does affect you directly. But 
I think within the next like 10 to 15 years, retail is going to be on a boutique level at, at most, or even just on like a showroom. Like, you know how Bose stores used to be a thing? Like that's going to be what clothing stores are going to be. Yeah, I agree. Stores are it's either going to be boutique or it's going to be distributor, like distributor direct to consumer. They're going to cut out the retail as being the middleman, save money on margin, save money on overhead and improve supply chain. I would make an argument that if you cut retail out of the economy, uh, that you risk collapsing the global economy because you are directly affecting the real estate market in every single place on earth. Yeah. In a material, material way. Exactly. I mean, dude, the, the real estate market throughout this whole Corona thing, not to go into, not to dig back into the yeah. whole Corona stuff, but like, if you think about it, the lasting effects of this are companies are realizing that they can scale work from home. Employees are responsible enough to work from home. They can be trusted and corporate real estate prices, real estate prices will, will plummet. And we yeah. have, we're going to figure our way around, you know, a, a, a dying market for, for real estate in terms of, especially that, corporate real estate. That's that, the real estate yeah. happening basically right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to hit harder in the next six months than it is right now. But. Wait, yeah. okay. So, I mean, I, I know that we're, we've been going on about this for a while, but this is something that is absolutely blowing my fucking mind. So I was, there's an article in the New York times that came out about a week ago and it's about how the real estate market is down like 70% in Manhattan throughout this crisis. So the biggest thing that they highlight on is the corporate real estate market. So if you look at it, I believe it was J.P. Morgan Chase, Barclays, and Morgan Stanley. Stan. Correct. They employ like twenty thousand people in New York City, somewhere in that neighborhood, and they occupy about ten million square feet of real estate, which is equivalent to the entirety of the office and retail space in downtown Nashville. But well, all of those companies have like ninety percent of their employees in New York. Is that, you, is that usable? If, but not to sound like a dick. Is that usable or rentable? Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't, they didn't go into that level. Of I think it's total usable and rentable yeah, it's space. It's their, their total in, renting space that they in the have. city. Yeah. yeah. So, but, but should you lose even like 80 or 90% of those people to either work from home, new cities, things like that? I mean, you, you got to say that the, the, the hit it's going to take is crazy. You can't just do what you did down in FIDI and keep shoving apartment buildings into old finance buildings. Like you're eventually going to run out of people to fill these buildings. I don't know. The, the real estate market is going to be a really interesting thing to get into. And to that point, what is the appeal of living in New York City if you're not making your commute to work easier? Or a city for that matter. Exactly. Any like, point. I mean, I think, you know, to your point really quick, I think you have to have offices in some capacity because you have to have a place to meet with clients and you, you yeah. can't just well, be you, doing you, everything you, you online. Can, you can but, schedule days for that. Like you just travel exactly. and you go in and then you work back. I mean, for... I don't know. For, for Mike and I, it's a little bit different because we work in construction. So I know Mike has to be on site a little, a little more than I do. But right. that's why I'll take a little bit of solace in the fact that at least you know, I'll always, always be going somewhere. Because in order for things to get built, pe human beings still need to go to job sites. Of course. But to, yeah, to his point, it still would affect 80 to 90% of the workforce if you don't have to come in every day. And then you have just all this vacant space. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if population growth is going to catch up fast enough to fill that vacant space. But regardless, I think this is a whole other thing we could probably get into a lot more detail on another day. I mean, Tom, did you have any last thoughts about technology you wanted to just kind of close things with? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, what you know, we had a very thorough, comprehensive discussion. I think if you can't beat them, join them, buy their stocks. Yeah. Well, there you go. You want to commend us though? That was like this is one of the more adult conversations I think we have ever had, and this is as a group outside yeah. of the pods. Yeah. 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 One last uh, little segment today. We're going to have part two of Son of Karen. So I have some feelings about some stuff. This is very targeted. Mm-hmm. And so we're recording us on 21st of May this weekend. Past weekend was the return of sports. I was very happy. I watched a couple of Bundesliga soccer games. It was great to actually see it happening again. Uh, very weird rules. Couldn't hug during celebrations, but doesn't matter when you're marking someone in the box. You can wrap your arms around them all you want. Didn't really understand that. But got me thinking back into the sports mindset. I know, right? Uh, back into the sports mindset. And uh, this afternoon it came out that Dak Prescott turned down a one a five-year, $175 million contract, oh. making him the highest-paid quarterback Would have in NFL him. history. What are you doing, that, son? Yeah. What are you doing? You on he the turns pipe, this son? down. He wants a shorter deal and more money. I don't know. It's it certainly, to, to get on that, he is certainly not – he wants $45 million. He He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Tom Brady. He's a very average quarterback with a nice offensive line and a really, really impressive running back. Very good running back. And I don't know. So to me, I'd, like I said, I'm a soccer fan. I'm, I'm big into that. And Wait. I know that there was really a turning point recently in soccer globally where values became very inflated. And it was when uh, Paris Saint-Germain paid 222 million euros for the transfer of Neymar from Barcelona. And that literally blew the market wide open. Suddenly everyone's worth a hundred million dollars. And you know, last year they were going for 40 million. So I guess this is a little quick wrap up question to the group. If I shouldn't say, if I should say when, because Jerry Jones is a moron, when they give him the steal that he wants, because they're certainly not going to let him walk. Does this hyperinflate NFL contracts and does it create an issue in the NFL until something changes? Mike? Absolutely. I I'm going to disagree with you. I think that this might be the start of the opposite, right? I think NFL contracts are going to get so, there. If, if think, he get, so hypothetically, this is if he gets the $45 million. Uh, If okay. they ink him to 45 That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. If he signs he that deal. himself, inevitably? Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because Neymar has made a proper fucking fool of himself at PSG. They still paid a quarter of a it's, billion dollars. It's going to be a runaway train. Like, is it... I agree. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna insert my two cents real quick. Like, just no, if he gets 45 million dollars a year, then it's it's just gonna be a, a for the especially for the NFL Players Association and for people like, for quarterbacks in the future, especially the young quarterbacks who are due for big paydays. It's just gonna be pointing fingers. So, oh, this guy got 45 million dollars. I'm way better than him. Look at my Pat Mahomes is worth 90 if Dak is worth exactly. basically like yeah, like a rich kid complex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, I think you're gonna see some like really intelligent GM work. And I, and I hate to give credit to the Cowboys as an organization because I almost they're, they yeah, never do. They're, they're like slightly below anti-vaxxers. But like I think that, you know, you're going to see the use of the franchise tag to like a much more advantageous position because all you have to do is take a guy like Dak, right? You brought in Andy Dalton. I know is he the end-all and be-all, but he's a serviceable quarterback. If Dak struggles, if Dak um, has an okay season – you know, all of a sudden you get to start lowballing this guy because you franchise tag him. You can even fra- – I think you can franchise tag him again, right? You get like two Twice. shots. You can do it two times. Yeah. They only franchise tagged him once. So even if it comes to the end of the, the following season, his only option would then be to sit out a season, which we've learned has not necessarily been beneficial to the players that do that. I mean, 
Antonio Brown. Le'Veon. Le'Veon. I mean, I'm a Jets those, fan. So those are, Le'Veon's been but, – but these are guys that are top tier. These are the more, best. Yeah. You're making an extreme example to, to make a point, though, with I think especially the players you listed. Antonio Brown is a psychopath. Um, and he's, yeah. Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell. He's, he's friends with Tom Brady. He's not. Le'Veon Bell has been caught with uh, more than one yeah. discrepancy in his record. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, okay, so like, I guess here's what I'm saying: Is this going to do what it did to soccer and make everybody suddenly, for no apparent motherfucking reason, worth 125 percent what they're worth just because one guy who's not worth it got that amount of money? And that's kind of my that's my thinking on it. Yeah, and that's exactly and that's exactly the thing. Dak is not worth that money. So then someone like Pat Mahomes, to your point, who is, I would say, probably the best quarterback right now, him or Lamar, uh, Lamar, same thing. They're going to come in a couple of years and say, all right, well, if Dak's getting paid $45 million a year, you have to pay me 55 or $60 million a year or, or even higher than that. Because if that's the standard of who's the highest paid quarterback, then you have to supersede that and give the actual quarterback who is high, more talented than that person that better contract. And all the stats. Yeah. I don't think I don't necessarily think that's a standard. I just think that that's Jerry Jones giving in, and he's going to have what thirty-one other franchise owners looking in on that deal, being like, "Is he fucking crazy?" Yeah, you've seen yeah, that trend happen over time, though. You've seen that trend happen over time. You see, um, I mean, who's to... getting paid the most in the NFL? The people mm-hmm. who deserve it—they're all quarterbacks, right? They're yeah. all elite quarterbacks. Granted, he's a quarterback in a big market, but being a quarterback in a big market is not enough. In the NFL, you have to be elite in a big market Mm -hmm. to be earning the most money, and that's not the case. And he, I mean, Jerry, if he, if Jerry Jones goes through through with this, he's going to have the rest of the NFL team owners, you know, on the sideline just Mm -hmm. staring at him like, "Is this guy a fucking idiot or what?" So I I have some figures. If Dak gets paid. $45 $45 million a year. He would be making more money than Steph Curry, LeBron James, Kevin Durant. Um, and the only p- athletes on earth that would be making more than him in salary per would year? be sick. Yes. Cristiano Ronaldo, Neymar, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Lionel Messi. You're forgetting about Louis. And he is absolutely not in that. Not record. even. At Doesn't Louis make 50? No. Louis who? Hamilton. Well, yeah. Lewis Hamilton you know, makes 50, but he, I don't know. Car racing's a different, different beast, though. I would say Dave Lillard makes 52. He, or he doesn't make 50 yet. He will make 50 this season. He, has he even touched a record stat? Like, Not even close. No. I don't think I – I would be most shocked handoffs. if he had a better QBR than Tony Romo as a cowboy. Yeah, most hand – exactly. Most handoff I'll, to a really good running back. Yeah. I'll say two, two quick points. So I think, first of all, I don't even think he – maybe he's made one Pro Bowl, but that's obviously because there's always a quarterback or two who misses the Pro Bowl for one reason or another. So he's Pro Bowl, I would, I, would not e- I would not even use No, him. I know, but that, that's considered like an accolade in your NFL career to be selected for a Pro Bowl. Yada, yada. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't show right. up blah, blah, to blah. what you don't play in Ex- if right. you're worth it. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's 100% right. But I, I think to two points, number one, it's asinine that he's even making anywhere near that money. And it's asinine that any NFL players even making that money because they're only playing 16 weeks out of the year. Like then you have guys who are playing, you mm-hmm. know, baseball players, for example, 162 games a season. Like it's just comparatively, I feel like it doesn't make sense. But from an ethical standpoint, I feel like Dak, and this is not just me being a Giant fan and hating the Cowboys. From an ethical standpoint, the fact that you turned down that contract with everything going on right now makes you look like the biggest fucking asshole. So Pretty many people fun. need fucking money. Yeah. 
and you just turned down 175 fucking million dollars, you are the biggest asshole on the face of the planet. I'm sorry, but that's just no, you're right. How, how could you be that fucking ignorant? And yeah, and, and I guess was, and, and he, what what you're talking about, Dave, with like on scale, like the fact that you're only playing 16 games a year. Messi makes $96 million a year playing for Barcelona. If you scale that to, let's say he played 60 games in a full season, which I believe is typically between 60 and 65, depending on competitions, mm -hmm. he's making $1.6 million a game. Pennies compared to what Dak would be making playing 16 games a year. Or seven, sorry, 17 because they lose in the first round. <laughs> so that's the thing too. And this kind of goes to so just to drive home the fact that Dak is an asshole. Once this opens up, and this opens up for everybody, NFL teams, the NFL as an organization, are not going to lose money in order to give players more money. They're going to find new ways to drive commercials, advertisements, deals. Well, as long as the salary cap goes up too, like that's that that will never be not never be, but that won't be as much of an issue. Figuratively, putting all their eggs in one basket, essentially. No? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the issue. And, I mean, and I guess God bless. I hope they do it, and I hope he shits the bed. Sorry, same. but so on that I mean, note, I, I will put will. a bow on all this by reading my favorite tweet in relation to this, and it was from a uh, commentator from Fox Sports and Rob Parker. If the Dallas Cowboys signed Dak Prescott to a five-year, one hundred and seventy-five million dollar deal, including a fifth year worth north of forty-five million, it will be the worst deal since the Louisiana Purchase. <laughs> For the French. And on that note, this has been Sunday, <laughs> Karen. Uh, that's a bad. That's a bad one. Stewart's uh, folly. To, to make the that was uh, that was Alaska. Yes, I think it was Stewart's fault. Folly. Yeah, it was Stewart's. Yeah. Absolutely. It was yeah. I'm, leave the historical facts to the master. Okay. <laughs> okay. Easy there, killer. What was the um, Louisiana Persians end up being like dollars per acre? Like even less. Yeah, it was thirteen. It was like thirteen million dollars, right? It was like set. It was like cents per acre. But yeah, so I, I don't know. That's I feel like that puts a good bow on our discussion, and this was quite a show that was really all over the place, but. Yeah. yeah. No, but it, it was all, all a good discussion. I mean, I think we had a couple. We had a, a couple true shows of emotion, and passion, real technology. passion. One smeared off ice, and Dan gets all fired up. Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I I'm I'm someone who I just feel like there's so much suffering going on in the world, and when you're going to turn down a contract like that, you just you have to be the biggest asshole on the face of the planet. So, and again, I. I it's easy to tell. I fucking hate the Cowboys anyway. So this just adds fuel to that fire. So, you know. So Tom, Tom make a note. Make it two or three Smirnoff Ices next time. Get them really around. Get them extra loose. No, I, I completely agree with everything you said, Dan. No, I do too. Yeah. Yeah, I think that you speak for us all when you say that. Yeah, 100%. Couldn't agree more. With that, let's head to our uh, closing statements of the episode. So I'm going to start things off with Plant Man himself. Carl, what do you got for us? Hope everyone has a nice long weekend and they enjoy themselves responsibly. This quarantine and virus is not over, so just keep that in mind while planning your activities. Definitely, good good reminder for sure. Definitely maintain social distancing and and keep yourselves and everyone you love healthy. That's very good. Uh, Pat, let's go to you. Hey guys, good conversation today. Really interactive. Yeah. Please, please follow our Instagram page. We're putting some good content out there. We're slaving hours away, making memes, and we're doing it for you guys. All right. Uh, Dan's videos, really. Also, yes, <laughs> everyone should know that all the videos that you see on our social media come from Dan, and he should be given a lot of applause to, uh, yeah. for that because they are spectacular. Well, thank they you, guys. I appreciate that. Mike, let's go to you. 
Uh, I guess talk about what we just talked about. Fuck Dak. Um, I hope the Cowboys make the deal and just bury the organization. Uh, that'll be fun to watch. I love watching a good professional sports dumpster fire. Even though uh, you said last week that the Cowboys had the best fans in sports, you want to see the organization go down? Yeah, <laughs> some people just want to watch the hey, – that, that was based on empirical Mike, data. Mike, what's under that Jets T-shirt when you wear it? <laughs> it's three oh separate T-shirts. Oh, oh, no. Put your shirt back on. We have this problem already. It goes Jets, Eagles, Cowboys. And you, just, you keep ripping away the, letter, the layers. Yeah, there are breakaways. He just zips. He just yeah. does the snaps back up when we're not looking. Those are expensive, though. All right. Well, Mr. Son of Karen, what do you got? Uh, thanks for listening again, guys. It's uh, really fun doing this. We're all really enjoying it. DM us on Instagram, DM us on Twitter, tweet at us, whatever you want to do, interact with our polls. Ask us questiones. Uh, yeah, we are in underscore conclusion underscore pod on Instagram. Give us a follow. We put up some good content. Uh, like us, follow us on Spotify, like us wherever we are. And uh, thanks again. Enjoy your weekends. Stay safe and stay healthy and call your mother. Yes, all, all good things there. And lastly, tech man, Tommy. So I would just say, like, that was an awesome discussion. I know we're a little bit more serious than we typically are, but my word, you know, to anyone out there who's, you know, taking our our word for whatever it may be, which is probably not much, but I would just say, yeah, be a smart consumer, be smart about your data because, you know, you should have control of it and, you know, that there's somebody out there making money off of it. So if there's some way that you could find a way to make money off of it, Go ahead and do that. And then, obviously, take a minute just to remember everyone who died for the sake of the best country in the world and uh, enjoy your long weekend, for sure. Yeah. I, I think I would. Tom. Yeah, Tom yeah, gets def- a point. Definitely Tom gets a point for that. <laughs> I will keep it short. I'll say the same sentiments as you. I hope everyone has a nice long weekend. Get outside. Enjoy. Keep in mind the reason why. People have off Memorial Day on Monday, to Tom's point. And we will catch you guys on the next episode. Please, like everyone said, follow us on social media, get in the conversation, ask us questions. And if you like what you hear, follow us on Spotify as well. So we will catch you guys on the next one. See you soon. Peace out. Sponsor Mike's OnlyFans. Check out my cookies. See what's under <laughs> Mike's cowboy shirt on Mike's next installment of his OnlyFans. It's just his nipples. Please <laughs> <laughs>